Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Scott Chasen alongside Michael Swain, Kansas.247sports.com. And today we are here to talk not about KU football, but KU basketball. We'll run through some of the things that have been happening with the trial into the investigation into corruption into college basketball. That kind of all came out of that, you know, the the FBI investigation, which... Uh, I guess began probably over a year ago by now, um, or, or was announced probably over a year ago by now. I still remember uh, that all coming out and, and the beginning of how that all went down. But uh, obviously, this has been something that's been in court. Um, it's been something that has involved KU players, KU coaches, as the defense has tried to make the argument that um, the schools, where I guess I should start with the plaintiff, uh, the, the case is essentially arguing that these schools, the colleges are being defrauded. They're unaware these payments are being made. Um, there's obviously the issue of the money, um, changing hands, large, large amounts of money. That's, that's a big part of this too. Uh, and then the defense is kind of arguing that the schools were not only aware of this, but in some cases asking for it. And that's where you've seen, uh, Bill Self and the KU coaches be tied in. So, uh, the two KU players who have been most uh, closely linked uh, to this have been Billy Preston, uh, former, you know, I believe a McDonald's All-American, but a, f- a former high-level recruit uh, who joined the university, never actually played in a regular season game. He was withheld pending an investigation into a car he was driving uh, that evidently was kind of linked to this uh, or, or became so when KU discovered uh, reportedly a uh, a payment that was made that uh, they looked into a little more, turned the findings over to the NCAA, and uh, and he never ended up playing. Silvio de Sosa, the other player, uh, is alleged to have his camp is alleged to have, I guess, through Guardian Fenny uh, Falamain, to have received uh, reportedly a sixty thousand dollar payment from a Maryland booster, or allegedly a sixty thousand dollar payment from a Maryland booster. Um, that is a big part, or has been at least somewhat of a part of this kind of trial that's going on. De Sosa is not on trial. No one, no one from in, in that way is on trial. But again, the argument that uh, these schools, Maryland being an Under Armour school, Kansas being an Adidas school, were kind of complicit in these uh, payments. T.J. Gasanola, who has been the uh, one of the main witnesses for the prosecution, has made the argument that the schools were unaware of this. Uh, text messages has have since come out. Uh, maybe suggesting a little bit of the opposite. We've got a lot to break down, a lot to get into. That's kind of a a general overview, a, a look at everything that has happened. Um, not not super specifically, but but kind of where the situation is right now. So Swain, uh, I'll, I'll kick this over to you. What where where do you kind of see things with regard to the process, and uh, what what has been your kind of experience following along with with this whole case? Sure. I've kind of found it hard to find places where KU has advertently been in the wrong. If you start with the way that they handled the Billy Preston situation, as soon as they were kind of made aware that there were some fishy things, the car really didn't line up where the money was coming from. And then they sat him out and they didn't play him for the entire year. They gave the NCAA all the information that they had had. They didn't do anything wrong. And then when you look so far, what's been alleged with Silvio de Sosa's situation is that it was at first said that Bill Self and the coaching staff did not know about the payments. And then at the very end, I believe it was claimed that they did know about the payments and requested them, but there was no actual evidence given, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
And then additionally looking there, they didn't ever actually wire the $20,000 to DeSosa, or at least TJ Gasnola testified that. And then additionally, he did testify that he did pay uh, Silvio or his guardian $2,500, I believe, for an online course. So I think that's kind of the only place where I think they're in the wrong so far, and that's actually been factually proven to be in the wrong as well. Yeah, I'm not sure anything at this point has been proven with any set of certainty or anything. There's still a lot of context that needs to come out with regard to, uh, for example, a lot of the text messages that have. I do think the things that that look particularly, um, I won't say bad, but don't, I mean, certainly don't look good for the KU staff involve a lot of the text messages that come out that would seem to support that claim. So you kind of mentioned the defense attorney in his closing statement basically lobbed the accusation that Self and Curtis Townsend knew and asked for payments uh, for KU players. And so when you want to talk about like, what has KU done right or wrong? I think it's an, first of all, it's an interesting distinction to make or an important distinction to make between uh, KU compliance and the KU staff. So KU compliance, which would have been looking into Billy Preston, if they discovered something that wasn't right, them investigating it would be different than the KU staff um, themselves, like the coaching staffs and whatnot, investigating it. Now, obviously they, those two sides, I'm sure have worked together or answered questions or, or done something and at, at at least some level, but there is a distinction from there. So feasibly at any school, remove KU, remove the players, whatever, uh, a staff could cheat and then a compliance department could come in, investigate it and do the right thing. And, and you would still have wrongdoing from one side, but not necessarily wrongdoing from the other side. So again, that doesn't specifically apply to Kansas. Um, or it, you know, it may or may not, we don't know, but that's just kind of an example of, of kind of the divide here that I think sometimes gets a little bit lost. But so uh, the Kansas City Star has done a good job kind of uh, putting together a couple pieces, one a timeline that you pointed out before we recorded, but also um, uh, kind of a, a story from Jesse Newell of the Star about a sidebar explaining uh, the defense's claim that uh, Self and Curtis Townsend knew of the payments. And the story you know, runs through some of the text, some of the context uh, of those text messages, and I'll read a few of them. Uh, just for example, like Self and, and TJ Gasnola uh, reportedly texting, you know, each other about uh, Fanny Falmain and the Silvio de Sosa situation. Again, there's no uh, specific mention by the KU staff of pay this guy or pay this amount or um, you know, wire $2,500 wire. None of that is obviously there, but you have conversations between those two. And then also between Curtis Townsend and TJ Gasanola, like, um, T, you know, one, one exchange in August from, you know, this is from Curtis Townsend, uh, coach has been on the phone with Angola, which is apparently a code name for DeSosa. We are good to go. We will commit tomorrow. And then Townsend says, sends again from Fenny, who is again, the guardian of DeSosa, uh, Gasanola responds, great, I'll follow up tomorrow, thank you. Or Townsend says, thank you. It's it's little exchanges like that. Some of them are more uh, salacious or suggestive than others, like the comment, like uh, self's we good or just got to get a couple real guys or, or things like that that have come out that have um, obvi- obviously called a lot of these things into question in terms of, well, what are they talking about? What is being said? Um, the, the fact of the matter is it, it doesn't, I would say, however you look at this, I would say it doesn't look as bad as it necessarily could for the KU staff, but I definitely think just in terms of an optics perspective, it's probably closer to bad than good. Um, has there been any text or any part of this that has come out 
um, that has caught you off, caught you off guard, caught your eye, made you think any, any certain thing? Has, is there anything that has uh, really stood out to you in terms of maybe like, whoa, didn't expect to see that in the trial so far? Sure. I think the biggest thing for me was that text exchange with Kurt, Curtis Townsend talking about Zion Williamson. I thought it was interesting. There was brought up, or it wasn't text, sorry. It was on a wiretapped phone call, if I remember correctly. And basically, Curtis Townsend had said, we'll have to try and find a way after basically the Zion Williamson's demands or list of things that he and his camp wanted for him to commit or to do something. Um, and he had said that. And I thought that a lot of people took that as saying, we'll need to find a way to get that done to get him what he wants. I necessarily didn't really read it that way. And I thought it was interesting that a lot of people jumped to that conclusion. I think it could be that one of those things where the camp comes and says, you know, we have all these demands and like, well, we can't do that because that's either not allowed or it's just something that you can't do um, and saying, we'll have to find a way to do it legally. Like there are a lot of ways with a lot of these texts that you can kind of spin them whichever way or whatever narrative you kind of want to fulfill, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it too. So um, again, it, it's you want to look at the optics of the of of what something like that phone call coming coming out goes. So um, Merrill Code is an Adidas executive. This is the recording. Uh, it was denied into evidence, according to uh, Yahoo Sports writer Dan Wetzel. Now, according to Wetzel, the transcript of the uh, of uh, Code, which was read by um, his defense attorney, who's Mark Moore, said, "Hey, but between me and you, he being Zion Williamson." Uh, he asked about some stuff. I know what he's asking for. He's asking for opportunities from an occupational perspective. He's asking for cash in the pocket, and he's asking for housing for him and his family. Uh, according to Wetzel, Townsend then responded. Um, Townsend, uh, Townsend then responded, I've got to just quote, I've got to just try to work and figure out a way because if that's what it takes to get him here for 10 months, we're going to have to do it some way. So Swain, like I think you mentioned, um, that does not explicitly say Curtis Townsend saying, yeah, KU needs to pay this guy. And I think a lot of these things individually fall into that category, like self saying, we just got to get a couple of real guys. That, that doesn't mean I'm authorizing X million or X thousand or X hundred thousand dollars of payments to X players. It's a lot of vague language. It's a lot of ambiguity. Now that's a wiretap. That's not a, uh, a text exchange. So I think sometimes people might feel like they can speak a little more freely on a cell phone than they would, you know, if there's going to be a physical paper trail. Um, uh, either way, Zion Williamson's recruitment was actually kind of an interesting one. Uh, his crystal ball was heavily uh, toward Clemson, uh, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina. Each only had four percent apiece uh, at the end of the crystal ball, and then obviously he uh, ends up going to Duke. And and that contrasted with Coach K's comment. Um, where he said, quote, uh, it's a minute, it's a blip, it's not what's happening. I heard Roy, being uh, North Carolina coach Roy Williams, um, and when I heard what he said, I said, yeah, I understand that. We haven't lost guys because someone cheated. I'm not aware of that. I haven't paid attention to that because I haven't been affected by it, and I do think there had to be an ending to, uh, to all of that noise. I really don't have a specific comment about it, but I can tell you we don't lose guys because someone has cheated against us. Um in the context of that, it's kind of hilarious, um, especially because I think people, everyone assumes, you know, I think there's a large overwhelming assumption at this point that to some varying level, there has been some tampering of some kind with, you know, major recruits. And the fact that, you know, one in, one text exchange between, um, I believe it was, yeah, Self and Gasnola, where Gasnola essentially says, or 
you know, like that's what happens at UNC and Duke or Kentucky and, and Duke or one of, you know, two of the three, Kentucky, Duke and UNC basically are all brought up and self reminds him of the other one essentially. And again, basically saying that and helping, I, I would argue those texts kind of help the defense's case and kind of argue that people just kind of assume things are happening. But again, there's never an explicit mention of dollar amounts, of money, of uh, money changing hands, things like that, other than the the Curtis Townsend comment or the, uh, you know, the phone call comment where uh, Merrill Code essentially says, um, you know, that he's asking for cash in pocket, cash in the pocket. And even then Curtis Townsend's reply does not um, explicitly mention that either. So I thought it was interesting that you brought up the Zion Williamson thing. Uh, other prominent players who have been kind of roped into this case, I think DeAndre Aiden has been at the center of a lot of this, especially um, when there may have been some erroneous reporting regarding uh, a story that claimed he took or Sean Miller was wiretapped discussing a certain amount of payments. The timeline on that story didn't necessarily add up, um, but it's also possible that certain aspects of that were incorrect, but certain aspects of that were correct. So um, wasn't there also the fact that um, didn't, wasn't there also mentioned in text messages that one of the Adidas guys felt like he let, uh, or he texted, they let Bill Self down on DeAndre Ayton as well. I thought that was something else that was brought up that mm-hmm. I thought was really, and that also connected KU to him. Yeah, well, that was, I mean, certainly, and his crystal ball was heavily a, a lean for Kansas until basically that happened. And uh, the text exchange you're referring to, yeah, he says something along the lines, TJ Gasanola, of, uh, I've never let you down before, except, and then a, a horribly, horribly butchered spelling of, of DeAndre Aiden's name. But again, another player who has been kind of uh, tied into the situation getting brought up like that, obviously, isn't a... Um, even if it isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's not a good thing because I, I think generally um, you would want to see the program that you root for or the program that if you're a part of it, your name kind of stay out of this thing um, at all. So uh, KU has pretty consistently decided to no comment uh, the situation, um, which obviously is their right to do so. Bill Self was asked about comments that he was alleged or that uh, his name had been brought up in in by in the trial and he was asked about that and he said that you know he was not going to comment on the situation um you know Silvio de Sosa at Big 12 Media Day actually said that he knows he's going to play this year uh, Bill Self says he's been handling it uh the right way and and that's really been the stance from the top down of KU that you know they're not going to kind of comment on an a pending investigation and again it's worth noting KU is not on trial here uh no one is uh the FBI is not charging KU with any crimes. They're not charging DeSosa with any crimes. That's not where this is right now. This is simply the defense looking to make the argument that this is a widespread practice, that coaches are aware of it, that coaches are actually asking for it. Um, but the NCAA obviously is not bound by legal rules. And if they feel like viola- violations have been made and rules have been broken, uh, it's their right to come in and, and come through with a penalty and, and punish the KU program, punish any program in the country um, to any degree. So even schools that that haven't been brought into it. And I think that's one thing you've looked at is like, if you were to punish, let's say KU in part because of the Zion Williamson recording, well, then you would, you know, theoretically have to investigate the other side of that and go over to Duke and say, is this true? Was he actually accepting money? Was there ever an offer of money? The Zion Williamson thing, Zion Williamson did not go to Kansas. So regardless of what happened, it would seem like KU did not do anything 
illegal in terms of his recruitment, it would seem. It would appear based off only that that message exchange, if that message exchange or phone call was the end of it. Now, again, there might be more that we don't know about, so you have to be careful and caveat that and, and be you know, kind of responsible in how you talk about it. But that in of itself, even though it doesn't look good, does not necessarily imply any illegal activity from KU's end. Uh, it only serves to kind of create the point that KU was, you know, maybe aware of the situation. And I believe that recording of that wiretap was, uh, that recording was denied into evidence regardless. So um, that that was kind of a lot to to throw up there. Any thoughts on the way KU is handling it and, and any of it surprising you? Um, I think that the way KU's handled it, it's kind of, you know, in the past, it's kind of been their precedent that they're not going to say much, as you said. I'm really interested to see what Bill Self, if he does speak at uh, Big 12 Media Day this Wednesday, and if not, then after the scrimmage this Thursday, just seeing if they comment on it even further now that there has been more evidence brought up since the last opportunity we had to talk with him. I think it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it and if Silvio is ever made available, what he's allowed to say or what he does and doesn't say also. And I think it's interesting looking through the lens that the defense also tried to create with kind of throwing in, I think also they named Oregon, um, Creighton as well. I think it kind of just shows how much of a widespread problem it is too. And if the NCAA does decide to go after Kansas, as you said, they're going to have to go after Duke in Arizona and all these other schools for how they've handled recruitments. And I think that it's also interesting given the dollar amount that you see with a school like Creighton out here throwing around the same amount of money or offering at least what some of these other reportedly, yeah, um, what some of the other big schools were kind of reportedly offering as well. And I believe it was with um, the Brian Bowen uh, recruitment as well. But I think it's just really interesting how the defense has tried to paint it and kind of the evidence that they have brought to the forefront. And I almost am interested to see what comes out in the future trials because the NCAA has said that they aren't probably going to be taking any action or giving out any sanctions while the trial is still ongoing. And they're going to wait and see once all the trials are over and all the information has been brought out. Yeah, and I think a big part of like all these allegations too, because again, important to remember that all of these things are, are you know, allegations and uh, still waiting, and, and there's still a you know a burden of proof and and a lot that needs to kind of um, be settled. Just in the idea that like Brian Bowen, his father, I believe, testified that he was told by an executive that the offer to his son was being raised because that's what Kansas was, you know, to a hundred thousand because you know allegedly that's what Kansas was paying uh, Billy Preston to go there. Now, when that type of a comment is made again. That type of thing looks, you know, on an outside perspective, whatever, it's like, wow, they're alleging that Kansas is paying X amount of money. However, it could, it, it's, it's so hard to know, like, first of all, what the context of, of things in terms of like, is he saying that Kansas is paying that or that's what he's being paid to go to Kansas or he's being paid by Adidas or, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that comment even even an allegation like that, which has come from someone who has testified, uh, and I believe that was on day three of the testimony. We have a story up on that at kansas.247sports.com to see the full comments. But uh, essentially a comment basi- basically saying like, because that's what he was paid to go to Kansas. Does that, even that of an in of itself does not apl- imply that the KU staff was or was not aware or, you know, did or didn't know things. And, and again, the Billy Preston situation is an especially interesting one for KU because KU did, at least from an 
uh, from a compliance and investigatory perspective, uh, handled that correctly. They or or the right way it would appear um, in terms of they investigated Preston uh, and they held him out while doing so. They turned over their findings to the NCAA. A re- resolution was never reached uh, and he left campus. So from that perspective, um, you would say that at least compliance and you know, to an extent, the coaching staff handled that situation correctly. However, again, that also does not necessarily mean uh, that there wasn't wrongdoing on the front end in getting him to come to Kansas. It doesn't. It doesn't mean one way or the other. It's just important to remember that those two two things are generally, you know, not related, uh, or you know, they may be related in subject matter, but it's not necessarily a causation effect where Kansas handled this correctly, so that must mean they handled the whole thing correctly, and and you know, situations like that. Um, I wanted to talk about, because you you did bring up a good point about just in terms of when this may be settled, it's hard to expect, you know, much would happen, um, you know, much would happen in terms of sanctions and things like that right away, especially because the scope of this thing is probably going to be a lot bigger than uh, anyone is really prepared to deal, you know, prepared for. I think the most immediate action you might see is you might see Silvio de Sosa being withheld in games. And I think that comes from the idea that, you know, earlier in the summer, uh, self had mentioned that, you know, Hey, the NCAA had cleared him. So, uh, KU is going to play him until they hear otherwise. Well, I would argue this is maybe not necessarily hearing otherwise, but hearing enough to say, you know, maybe you don't want to risk, um, a season because of the status of, of, you know, DeSosa, you don't want to risk a season and vacating games and whatnot by playing him, especially, you know, if the if the main thing from DeSosa was that sixty thousand payment um that report or allegedly came from a Maryland booster, um, that wouldn't be KU's business to know or investigate uh that particular aspect of it. I mean, maybe they would look into it when he does commit. Um, because that's you know how those things work. They uh, usually it's a either a compliance director or a member of that staff will fly out and, and meet with recruits and their families and you know make sure things are kind of done the right way. However, um, that doesn't necessarily you know that it's not their job to know what happened at Maryland. It's their job to know what happened with you know regards to Kansas. So um, I would expect, or at least I would not expect, unless uh, evidence came out directly, kind of. Uh, unless more, you know, specific and clear evidence came out that, you know, tied certain things to Kansas or, or added to the, you know, current implication by, you know, that I think we've seen kind of fly around social media and Twitter that KU was involved in the process of whatever alleged wrongdoing has taken place. It would be very hard for me to believe that a punishment would come down and for every program, not just Kansas, and just start like stripping away games. Because when you look at the scope of this thing, I mean, even if you just took like five schools, seven schools, you know, it's hard for me to believe the NCAA would just like say like, okay, you know, 10 schools, you all lose your games from this season. I mean, they could. It would also seem to be kind of like a... I mean, a, a relatively meaningless punishment for a lot of places. Obviously, at Kansas, that's the Big 12 streak and making the Final Four. But at the same time, like everyone's still going to kind of know you made that Final Four. You won that Big 12 championship. You had that streak. So, again, I'm not necessarily sure how much that even matters uh, in the first place, although I think for some and, and for a lot of KU fans it does. I think the more interesting thing is looking forward and will KU play Silvio de Sosa, which – Currently, I wouldn't expect, but that's just based off, you know, public information and what's come out. That's not based off anything behind the scenes. Um, You know, will Bill Self remain as KU's head coach? I believe he will. 
uh, will Curtis Townsend remain on KU staff? I currently believe he will as well. Um, and again, just kind of have to wait and see uh, as as more comes out of this. So uh, wh- where are you with that, uh, with DeSoso, with Self, with Townsend? And, and what are you kind of thinking with regard to those three? So I think it'll be interesting to see how come Thursday they use Silvio, if he plays at all or if he sits out and how long he's going to sit out. I think that Jesse Newell had a really interesting point that I had heard about possibly self-reporting. Um, if the payment itself, if the if what they're caught up on is that twenty five alleged twenty five hundred dollar payment to pay for an online class, if that's where they're kind of getting hung up with the eligibility issue, if they were to self report it, I believe Josh Shelby also had a payment of that sort and had a five to eight game suspension. I don't remember the exact number, but that could be something that you look at with Silvio. And also taking away games and tr- people that are concerned about taking down the banner. I thought Bill Self did make it up a good point that the NCAA did make Silvio D'Souza eligible because he did come to Kansas early, so they had to go through the whole eligibility process, going through his whole background, and he was declared eligible for the season. So I think it would be really interesting if the NCAA were to try and go back on that. I think you get a lot of pushback from KU and from a lot of different people just because they did declare him eligible for the entire season because KU did hold him out until he was actually eligible as well. And also looking for you know people that – believe Bill Self should be fired. I thought Dan Wilkin had a fiery take that calling what's going on as a clown show, even though they, you know, KU compliance really did handle the Billy Preston situation well. Um, I don't see any way why you would fire Bill Self as the head coach. Pure coaching basketball wise, he's an incredible coach. It doesn't matter, like regardless of what's going off off the court, on the court, he's an incredible coach. And I think that also looking at Curtis Townsend, I also don't think there's enough concrete evidence to actually have any precedent to fire either of them or for either of them to lose their job. There's just not enough there and not enough solid backing to do that, to get rid of two outstanding basketball coaches, let alone whatever may be going on with Adidas in the background. Yeah, that's to me, that's the biggest thing is for a major change or major overhaul or any of that to take place, you would expect there to be some pretty, you know, nailed down specific things you could point to. And that's not to say, you know, Bill Self could decide tomorrow, uh, guilty or not, that, hey, I don't want to deal with this anymore. You know, this is just annoying. I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm going to go do something. Curtis Townsend could decide tomorrow. You know what? I don't know what his career earnings are, but I'm guessing he's made a, a pretty nice amount of money. He could decide tomorrow. You know what? this is just annoying. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Whatever. I'm hopping, you know, a a lot of stuff could obviously happen. Um, When you talk about though, like firings and things like that, I think historically, like you even see what Rick Pitino kind of survived through, obviously a very, you know, that's a different situation, but uh, you see what he was able to kind of survive through. You've seen people be able to, um, I mean, there there isn't even any indication at this point necessarily that KU would or would not be sanctioned. I, an interesting thing to um, tie back into all of this conversation actually is the the clause in Jeff Long's contract that says if KU is put under any probation uh, or any penalties for any wrongdoing that occurred before his tenure, his contract actually gets extended by the length of that. And I think in the context of all this, that'd be really interesting because you know, theoretically, if the NCAA were to, and whenever they decide to, you know, start doling out punishments or sanctions or whatever, if they were to look at Kansas and say, uh, this is just a, I'm throwing out a random number, like, hey, five years of probation or something that would extend uh, Jeff Long's contract by five years. And uh, Chancellor, KU Chancellor Doug Gerard actually said at the press conference that KU pushed for that 
Um, I find it extremely, uh, extremely, extremely, extremely unlikely that KU offered that with no backing whatsoever, just as a way of being like, yeah, sure, you can have this. That's how confident we are. I, my, my guess, again, it's a guess, but would be that um, that was in either response to some questions about the situation or that as a, you know, a way of helping bring Jeff Long on board. I'm, I'm uh, very certain that or or. I would very much suspect that KU did not offer that out of the goodness of their heart for no reason, just to make Kansas that much better for Jeff Long, who has already decided, you know, to come there. I, I, I definitely think there's at least a consideration of what Jeff Long would be thinking uh, with regard to that. But again, a lot of this is still down the line because even though it feels like this has been going on for a long time, uh, the fact of the matter is there's still a lot that needs to come out. And, and, you know, especially if the, if the NCAA wants to look into Kansas and there isn't more than what has come out at this point, it is hard to imagine uh, much really taking place, quite frankly. I mean, the biggest allegation against Kansas has pretty much been that the involvement and the texting with these uh, people and the NCAA could back could come back and say, hey, just the fact that you're texting with Adidas executives and stuff is a problem, but also uh, about recruits. Obviously, there's going to be conversations that take place between a top Adidas school and Adidas executives, period. Um, the NCAA could come out and say that, but at the same time, it's it's just like, where do you draw the line in terms of what is, what isn't, uh, you know, appropriate contact and conduct, what is and what isn't, you know, what are topics that should be off limits? Uh, where does the line get crossed between the ambiguity of never, you know, expressly stating um, anything with regard to a specific payment, with regard to a specific number? Um, where where do you draw those lines? And I'm not sure we have an answer at this point. So uh, big picture, what, what do you expect, if anything, to kind of affect KU in, in the immediate term? Uh, term before we get out sure. of here. Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest thing, just looking at how they're going to handle Silvio's situation, I think when you look on the court, it's kind of the first time in the past couple of years where you can have a guy kind of sit out and it doesn't cripple you. You look at the Billy Preston situation last year where he had to sit out and it really did kind of cripple the team at the beginning of the season just because they had to figure out how to play that four-round one lineup without a Josh Jackson at that four spot. So I think this year it's going to be really interesting to see. KU has that luxury of being able – to say, okay, Silvio, you know, we have this kind of these question marks surrounding you right now, and we don't want to put this loaded team in this what could be promising season at risk by playing you. And, you know, you look at the kind of the rotation that kind of makes things a lot easier for Bill Self, too. You have basically Diedrich Lawson and Yudo Kazabugi starting, you know, at the four and five. And then now basically David McCormack can come in and could probably play some more minutes. And now Mitch Lightfoot is looking to get minutes. So maybe he doesn't necessarily redshirt. I think it's going to be really interesting to look at how they handle it because I feel like how they handle it at the beginning of the season is how it's going to play out for the entire season. I think if Silvio doesn't play at the Champions Classic in a couple of weeks, he's not playing for the entire season just because no new developments are going to come out in that time because there are no more trials and unless more documents are leaked or something like that in the evidence finding, that's the only way you could see some sort of change coming. So I feel like what happens at the beginning is going to carry through on the entire season, which does help KU because you don't have to answer the constant questions of, oh, is he going to come back like you did last year with Billy Preston, where it was every week, okay, you know, update on Billy, are we getting anywhere with him? You know, you don't have to deal with that this year. It, it feels like whatever it's going to be at the beginning is what's going to be at the end. Yeah, and I think there are um, outstanding or additional 
kind of trials that will take place, but just not with this specific situation with regard to Adidas and them. So obviously there's going to be more coming out with regard to the FBI investigation. Um, and I, I think some of the specific case, I think one of them is set for, I think the Chuck person who is a former, uh, yeah, I just found it actually, according to the courier journal, uh, Chuck person, who's a former Auburn assistant, um, a former NBA official and, and another, uh, defendant who's a former NBA official and a clothing company founder, uh, their trial takes place in February of 2019. So, you know, obviously there's a little bit more, I believe 10 people were charged, uh, when the FBI originally kind of announced the news maybe a year ago, September or something like that about, about that time. Also think it'll be interesting to see Curtis Townsend and KU recruiting, uh, if other schools use that as negative recruiting, because you would, ex- you would certainly expect that, uh, so schools, especially going up against a kind of a recruiting power like Kansas will often use, uh, any bit of negative news they can, uh, as a way of swaying recruits away. And, and I wouldn't shock me if, other schools were taking those stories, you know, that mentioned Curtis Townsend forwarding those to the parents of recruits and saying, this is where you're sending your kid basically. So um, I, I'll be interested to, to continue to follow the recruits that he's been in on and see, you know, if that affects the status of any of them moving forward. Although, you know, the recruits that I've talked to largely have not cared uh, about this whole situation, or at least that's what they've kind of said, um, you know, kind of outwardly. So I think that's a good place to leave off this week's conversation. Uh, Follow Michael Swain on Twitter at mswain97. I am on Twitter at Scott. Kansas.247sports.com. Make sure to check it out for all your KU content. Big 12 Media Day coming up, exhibitions after that, and then the season is pretty much here. Uh, and obviously some stuff going on with KU football too. So that's going to do it for the Fog.net podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week.